because okay. I hate her. I hate her. What is up, everybody, tonight? Your favorite angry American, as always, with uh, the three misfits. I mean, the three musky queers. I mean, uh, my co-hosts. Uh, we got uh, Bob Toombs with Mountain Readiness, the illustrious Sue LaRue of Tactical Rifleman and all things Sue LaRue, and then Emery Morgenstern of Prime Combat Tactics, and he moonlights with Tactical Rifleman. So. But our real guest tonight is Chantal Mullen of The Farm and Forge. And don't just put Farm and Forge in. It's going to be the Farm and Forge. Or you go to the wrong website. I learned that. How are you doing, Chantal? I'm doing good. I'm happy to be here. Well, thanks for being here. Because one of the one of the things that we're always trying to encourage people to do is to make their, their situation more self-reliant. Nobody can be 100%. And that seems to be like what you guys are right, all about. Is growing your own food, processing your own food, raising your own livestock, and processing them. And, and that's awesome. Uh, we're backing out of that business myself at the moment because we travel too much, but I think everybody needs to have the ability and the real estate to do their own livestock and food production. For yeah. Sure. Or at least know somebody else who, who you can partner with to, to do those things. Yep. That's like going to a boat. The best boat in the world is your buddy's boat. So the best farm in the world is your buddy's farm. So I agree with that entirely. <laughs> I'm going to rely on Chantal as well. Like I've seen her wrestle pigs and stuff, man. She's a beast. <laughs> She's even handling the these big tillers. It's insane. It's insane. Like a professional. So, so since we do have a pro on here, guys, about farming, gardening, and some livestock, if you have questions for it tonight, the questions are going to be, there it is, hashtag Farming Forge. I don't have my read glasses on, so I was having to study that. But hashtag Farming Forge. Put that in your question if you have direct questions about farming, garden, or animal husbandry, or animal processing, and we'll get to those later on so um so you have quite a few educational accolades in this field this is like a hobby for you is it shanto <laughs> um yeah i mean i'm i'm really passionate about um kind of the farming and everything related to it and when you're when you're trying to learn all those things for yourself and you you end up kind of spreading out into a few different areas and you find that there's actually a lot of overlap. So yeah, always trying to learn something new. Well, we're all perpetual students. <laughs> you're, you're, I always like to say your, uh, your degree is your tombstone. So we're all perpetual students. <laughs> there's always time to learn. So are you going to make it out to a fallout? Are you guys going to be out there? Yeah, yeah, we're going to be out there. Um, my husband's going to be uh, teaching some uh, coal forging, so um, that's really exciting. He'll be, mm -hmm. we're putting him, he's doing, to be fair, he's doing a lot more um, actual education and, and working, uh, hardworking this event, and I'll be kind of um, mingling and uh, manning our vendor tent, so. Well, Everyone you. needs your mind. We, okay. we need your mind, though, is what it is, John Tall. Because usually you're teaching classes and those are great. Classes are great. But at the same time, uh, this this frees you up to roam around and people can ask you questions about what you do. Uh, uh, and, and that's hard to do when you're, you know, processing out a, and dressing out a, a hog. So yeah. uh, that takes up and consumes. I know we run you ragged in May. Um, you literally <laughs> yeah, you have guys. no sleep, no downtime. <laughs> so like uh, looking at the schedule and I was like, wait, do I have a break? No, I'm teaching another class. Right. <laughs> so this time, this time we're doing that to Christopher. That's right. <laughs> but he needs to pull his own weight. Hey, Ma. Ma's in the house. I got to say hi to Ma. So. Oh, so nice. so what, what kind of, uh, before we get into the rest of your stuff, which is fascinating, but for me personally, as a ex knife maker, what, what kind of uh, forging and blacksmithing does your husband do? Um, well, he does uh, coal forging, and um, he he does uh, he doesn't do a whole bunch of knife making. I'll be honest; it's not his favorite thing. He does more ornamental. He has done a lot of um, functional pieces like drawer poles, lighting fixtures, 
Um, and then like his outdoor camping gear is super sweet. Um, he very has a cool. lot of variation in saying, that. He does actual blacksmithing. Uh, <laughs> without offending anybody, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, I'm not mentioning names. I'm not just. I'm just saying. <laughs> I like it. Nice. The, the safest possible answer to that question. Right. Now, uh, they are, it does. He Christopher does some phenomenal stuff. You know, on coal forging itself, and Emery can attest to this if he's ever done. I've, I've played with it a little bit. Man, that is a whole nother world when it comes down to forging. That that is the primitive skill that you leave that metal in there 10 seconds too long all of a sudden the stuff just falls into pieces i mean it's it's insane how much skill just keeping your your metal temperature correct when you cold forge so i'm excited he didn't have his cold forge with him last time but this time we're going to give him a couple breaks and for three straight days we're just going to work him to death it's going to be awesome right <laughs> christopher i know you're watching he is watching so now he knows <laughs> So no, now he knows. He just found out. He was just no, he was no, just no. Informed. He agreed to this in advance. He just didn't know that's, how hard he was going to be working. Now he knows. <laughs> now he knows. <laughs> well, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a great time. You know, I, I was looking at your Facebook page earlier. And it looks like when you guys process the livestock and stuff in your place, are you prepackaging that for folks? Almost like dinners, and and is is there a service? You're selling them out, people. At farmers markets, or they come to you, or or is that just you putting that stuff away for yourselves? Um, so it's a little bit of everything. Right now, um, there's several exemptions. Just don't want anyone to wag their fingers at me for um, you know regulations. But um, we have poultry exemption right now, so and a meat handler's license. So we do our own poultry that we sell at a couple of local farmers markets. We will have some at the event. Um, we have a couple of different um, kind of meal offerings, but then we have like our regular offerings of different cuts. Um, and then we do right now take our um, hogs to a, a USDA certified processing facility. And then we get that back. You know, if we sell a whole or a half, then that's the customer's um, specifications, like what they would like it cut as. Um, but then when we go to farmer's markets, we have certain cuts and, um, specs that we would, um, have that animal processed as, and then we can sell that at the farmer's market. That's cool. Cause you know, there's the, the whole crush of trying to shut down like the, the small scale gardeners in favor of industrial farming, you know, looking yeah. at what's happening up in like the Netherlands where they're closing down hundreds of farms you know, and telling those guys, those farmers, they cannot farm anywhere in the eu at all ever again and yeah so, that's um i've seen some of that stuff and i don't really know specifically what the rules and regs are over there and i don't know how that all came to be but in a general sense that's kind of scary because you know you, you shut down the ability to farm and where do you how do you feed your people <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like even in China, it's illegal for Chinese citizens to own a private garden. You cannot even garden in, on your own property in China. Really? That's, yes, that's a fact. Um, it's like there's a mass movement in place to to curtail food production globally, which is a little concerning. So, hmm. so you said you guys, you know, had some exemptions and they're allowing you to do stuff. I was very surprised. So, do you yeah. do you do anything with milk, like whole milk or anything like that? No, we don't have any cows at this point. It's something that we're, um, you know, eventually hoping to uh, branch into. We really like the Randall line back for a dual purpose cow. Um, you know, actually, they're they're they have triple purpose. You can actually yoke them as well and teach them to to pull. So they'll do meat, they'll do milk, and they'll pull. And then, um, hmm. you know, for for raw milk locally, we have some friends of ours that that we go to that's nice to have the to have the options and and you know and when you said nobody judgment regulations a minute ago i was like mm, we're not going to judge it here we all have a little out, outlaw on all of us so don't worry about it. but the gray area is the best area to operate in yeah you have to know the laws so that you can oh, move yeah. around them adequately <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. i had a couple of questions so i've i've 
lived on a couple of ranches and I've raised, you know, various mm. things. I have had some hogs of, of a couple of varieties. Mm. I love raising pigs, right? Pigs are really, they're such a wonderful animal. Um, they're annoying. But so for somebody getting into it, right? Uh, I think one of the biggest problems with people getting into raising an animal they're not used to yet and, and are not very familiar with, there are some uh, infrastructure kind of concern, like, you know, how, how do you set up an infrastructure specifically for hogs? Because there's every animal's got their little tricks, right? Their little things that they like or can get out of, right? And I know that pigs can be pretty simple in certain aspects, but but they can be kind of harder to control because because just simply because they're big. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so it's it depends. Um if you're just starting out in, in a general sense, there's going to be kind of three options. Um, there's going to be a physical fence, like fence post and metal wire, um, you know, that you would stretch over the fence line. Um, there is um, flexible netting, um, kind of like the chicken netting that a lot of people use. And then there's also two strands. Um, and we've, I've, use two strand and I've used the netting, um, but I don't use the formal mm -hmm. fencing just because it's the most expensive option. Um, and so that's often a barrier to get like a physical fence like that. So, um, but with, with any fence, you have to train the animal to the fence because oh. in all reality, it's really, it's really up here for the animal. Um, that animal can go right through that fence. Um, we have all our pigs on two strand, even our like 800 pound boar. And he respects that fence because we've trained him to. Is that hot wire on that two wires or just barbed yeah. wire? No, hot no, no. Wire? It's, it's yeah. Hot wire. yeah. You need to yeah. have, because they will, they're smart and they will, they're very smart. They will retest oh, yeah. that fence. And oh, if yeah. that fence is not hot, they'll be like, it might be, it might just be worth it to try to go on the other side and you don't want that you want it to just hit them and then they learn to back up instead of run forward and yeah. there is some so, some fence training with that too so but essentially so, infrastructure wise as far as fencing and and that kind of stuff for for hogs really it's it's a lot simpler than say goats right because yes oh goats, yeah goats <laughs> there's a reason i don't have goats anymore yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah i mean Pigs, I think if you, as long as they're trained, uh, they're, they're much easier than goats. Um, I would say with few exceptions, you know, if a, if a pig has not been properly trained to a fence, um, you might get an escapee once in a while, but, um, you know, you shake that feed bucket and they're, they're generally happy to, to follow you back. Um, but fence training in and of itself, like piglets, if you get piglets, then assume that you're going to need to fence train them. And what we have for that is a uh, dog fence set up. And so we set up the actual physical barrier and then we set up the two strand right inside so that they learn to go backwards when they get hit instead of forwards and running through the fence. That's really what you want. And then two weeks of that in a general sense, two weeks. And then, you'll see them inside that dog fence they're they're respecting it you can see they're they're not kind of going to come through they'll there's like imaginary line all the way around that fence they're they're backing up from it they just won't test it at that point yeah i i was in the pig raising business for a while we had five going at one time and they kept breaking out of the pen and so i spent like one whole day eight hours out there new hog panels i dug it into the ground even like six inches i'm like they're not getting out of here the next morning I walked out and they were all standing in front of my truck. And uh, <laughs> so we, we had a mass shooting right then. And I butchered all five of them that day. I was done with the pig business. Chris, I believe for YouTube that's supposed to be called a conversation. Yeah, that's yes. No, we yeah. had one. I had a conversation a point, with them. Ba point blank conversation. It's exactly. Yeah. It was point blank conversation. And I butchered <laughs> them all by myself that day. I was just like, well, Mel was with me. And she's like, well, I guess we're not leaving. She walked back in the house. And I'm like, no, we're not. So but that's a good that's point, it. though. That's a good uh, point, though. It, it is possible to have, you know, one that just decides for whatever reason that even though you've trained them, 
they're still going to escape. And that's, the thing that's one of those Braveheart pigs, you know, well, I think he threw his black and white paint them. on and rose up against the system. They said, no, yeah, but you got to throw me in. Just like the government, you got to squash them before they teach the others. Oh, I was going to no, say, he got the no, same treatment because no, all those pigs were drawn and quartered. So every one of them got quartered. So same thing happened yeah. to Braveheart. Man. Freedom. <laughs> yep. Lovely. So what's, what, what type of pig again? I think you mentioned it, but what type of pigs are you raising? So um, we originally started with um, American guinea hogs. And then we um, moved over into some mule foot crosses with some American guinea hogs. And, and let me back up and say this in a, in a two tiered pig system, there are meat hogs and lard hogs. And a lot of mm -hmm. homesteaders start with lard, lard hogs because they're smaller. Um, they're a good hog to learn on. Um, they're not as intimidating for you to, actually um you know work with but once we kind of went through that phase of getting the handling down the husbandry down and and feeding and all of those things um we really wanted to uh move more into a meat hog so we have red wattles they are a an endangered um species uh, or threatened um per the livestock conservancy um they're a red color, obviously, but um, they have two little wattles that come off from their neck. Um, and that is very specific to this breed. They're very smart. Um, they're very nice pigs. They're, they're great in the forest. They're foragers. Um, all of the hogs that we've had farrow, they farrow out on their own, unassisted um in the forest uh we haven't had to um pull any piglets or um you know have any have any problems with the moms the moms have been great great maternal instincts and that's really a heritage breed that's what you're looking for is a pig that you're not going to have to baby you know yeah on your on your facebook page i saw a lot of pictures of some of those those big sows out and what looked like the woods with with yeah. their um with their piglets and so do, what do you have a large area like that that's fenced in that's that's wooded or you're not keeping them on pasture and barns that kind of thing obviously but, but no, well, so how much area do they have yeah so um i don't i don't actually know probably total um acreage for all of our pigs right now they're rotating i would guess like five or six acres we have several areas we have a feeder area which is our um, pigs that we grow out to sell, um, to process. We have our, um, what I like to call the maternity ward. And so <laughs> those are our moms, our big brooders. And then we have, um, the bachelor pad, which is where we have our boar. And so they're all separate so that, um, nobody's bothering anybody else basically. But that big forested area is, it's pretty large for those sows because, you know, there's like six or seven sows in there plus their babies. And so you really many, don't want to have how to many move acres, them. How many acres per hogs? I mean, what is, what's the ratio there for that particular breed that you're raising? So that's, that's, everybody wants to ask that question. And it's a really, yeah. uh, it, it can be easy, but it can also be very complicated. Um, there's a few variables, uh, you know, the, the breed, how much they actually work the soil because pigs, that is part of how they were created. They were created to work the soil. They're natural oh, yeah. tillers, um, which they're great at. Um, and a larger pig is going to need a little bit more room in a general sense. But on the other hand, it depends on how you're feeding them and how the weather is as to when you need to rotate them. So in a general sense, I try to rotate my pigs once a week, um, with the exception being maternity ward, because they've got all those piglets. You're not moving them. They're, they're yeah. not going to let you. <laughs> so you mm. just kind of give them a very 
you know, mm. very huge area that would be abnormal for the rats. The feeders get moved once a week. The boar kind of stays in his area and we um, will swap out his friends for him. Um, and, you know, it's, if there's a lot of forage in that, in that area, in that rotation, um, as we move through the woods, the forage changes. So in one area, I might have a lot of brush. The pigs will eat all of that. Um, or like right now, we have a lot of hardwood trees that are dropping the nuts. And so I can hold them in that area a little bit longer because the forage is there for them. They're not going to be destroying the soil as much. So, so, so do you feed them as kind of well? A balance. We do. Yep. We have um, grain that we feed them. We work with some local um, grocery stores to get lots of pineapples and pig barrels, pig and barrels, strawberries and yep. apples. Um, and then um, we're also going to be getting up our black soldier fly um, production again. And we'll be swapping out the black soldier fly for the grain so that we'll be completely off of grain. That's awesome. That's what I was wondering because, you know, in, in, in the preparedness lifestyle, it, it always comes down to food production and being able to produce food with zero inputs or minimal inputs is mm -hmm. obviously the ideal situation, but very hard to pull off. Um, yeah. So I was wondering, too, what you're feeding them. And you think you can produce enough black soldier fly larvae to feed your pigs? That's yeah. Be a so, <clears throat> yeah, we've, we've got um, we do we do a lot of. Um, farming ourselves vegetables and, and plant matter and mushrooms and microgreens and all these things. I saw those oyster mushrooms. They look fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> those are a favorite. They go quick. Um, yes. But in, in a general sense, it really comes down to this fly and how this fly um, cycles through things. You can feed it anything. Um, you can feed it plant material. You can feed it meat. You can feed it... Um, I want to say the polite way to manures, you can actually feed it manures. So not that you necessarily want to feed yeah. that you can, um, but it is an option. So, you know, there are systems that that's how that works, um, but they do process it and cycle through whatever you feed them. And it, um, I would liken it to uh, like a fish meal. That's what mm -hmm. it's comparable to. So it's a one for one equal swap out. So it's native here. Mm -hmm. um, it's probably already in your compost. If you have a compost bin, oh. um, you probably just haven't been able to identify it or you haven't looked at it yet. So it's something most likely you already have access to. It's easy to feed, free, and you can feed that as the sole protein source. And in many ways, it's much healthier than any grain or any other protein source. Um, and there's been a lot of documentation on getting better weight gain and higher quality meat when using the black soldier fly. So. And you're not dependent upon buying. Well, grain. Yeah. yeah. Well, cause that's, a, number that's one, you know, that, yeah, I mean, that's, that's with, with survival and self-reliance and, yeah, exactly. Or, or maybe, you know, we've had, um, I believe one of the major outlet stores I heard this year, was, their feed was causing issues with chicken. Uh, not, they, they weren't producing eggs. Yeah. Um, I won't name them a, just for the, yeah, I won't name them. I'll leave it what it is, but, uh, yeah. you know, that, that run of the mill feed that's full of garbage, uh, was causing those issues. The black soldier flies, you know, you solve that problem. And once again, you're not reliant on the system to to raise your your uh, livestock. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty sweet part of creation, really, when you think about it. It's like already here. It already does what you need it to do. It's much healthier for the animals and it's cheaper. The I mean, chickens are going to dig it, too. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, so the chickens are going to be a huge, a huge fan of that as well. So that's a feed that oh, they'll yeah. both go after. I mean, the chickens oh, yeah. love. They them. call that chicken crack, is what they call yeah, it. Yeah, chicken crack, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have a, I have a bucket that hangs from a tripod over in our barn for the chickens. And if I kill rats or if there's a roadkill squirrel out in the street for the house, I throw it in that bucket for the same thing. 
there's holes drilled on the bottom of it and the maggots yeah. fall through and the chickens just stand there and look up waiting. They're just waiting for dinner to come out of the bottom of that bucket. So yeah, that's free food. That five yeah. gallon bucket setup is, is what I recommend everybody start with, you know, yeah. just to kind of get a feel for it. And, you know, if you're wanting to go big and you're wanting to set up an actual like bin type system and all that, and, you know, get yourself a little shed, you can time it right. Um, and you can be completely self-sufficient with that. So the first time I heard about this, this, uh, soldier fly deal was, uh, in Chris's book. <clears throat> and so what's, I mean, you literally, you can just throw a chunk of meat in there, let it rot and, and they show up. It's that simple. So in a general sense, if you're, if you're just trying to just kind of let it do its thing, um, yes. Um, mm -hmm. you will, what'll happen is you'll get, you'll get like regular flies first, yep. but the, Again, another neat thing about how these flies are created is that they produce a hormone. And once they get in there, that hormone suppresses any other um, insect, uh, you know, ah. maggot. So they basically just outcompete because they eat so fast and they suppress other um, maggots. And so the larvae just take over. I mean, it's. So is there impressive. a way? right off the bat to ensure that that's the kind of fly you get or, or do you yeah. just let it run its course? Yeah. So you can, um, you can kind of hedge your bets like that. You can go and collect, like you can go out of your, out of your compost and you can go and collect the larva and you can basically build a little netted mating chamber. You can allow the, the larva to go through their life cycle. They'll become adults and they'll mate and you can, used um a little sign you know like the corrugated ones and you can just cut little strips and the flies actually really like that base i guess so they'll lay their eggs in there and then you have little egg packs you can take those little egg packs and then you can basically inoculate your your feed source for them and then it's it's all timing after that so they'll they'll take right over what do you call a rancher that breeds flies? That's a whole new thing. I never realized it's like you could actually say, I want the black soldier fly and I'm going to grow them like this. I didn't realize there's even a like an established method of doing that. That's pretty cool. I'm going to have to do yeah. some research. We were, yeah. We were just actually... talking about this last weekend, actually, about, about the soldier fly production that you've got going on. And uh, yeah. I lied. So now we need you to show people how to make black soldier fly uh, gr breeding grounds at, at Fallen. So it's not just Christopher going to be working the entire time. Now we need <laughs> yeah. you to do as well. I don't know. I'll see if I can schedule you in. <laughs> oh, let's look at the time. Have your people call my people. That's right. <laughs> It'll just be me, though. <laughs> It'll just be me, though. <laughs> All right. So next question. I got, I got, I have tons here for you. Go for so, it, man. You're talking about having, having meat hogs, essentially, as opposed to lard hogs. Mm -hmm. uh, every pig I've ever raised or come across, uh, you know, and, and gone through the process of at least from towards the end of their life on, um, you know, I mean, hogs are known for having a ton of fat. Um, which is a, a whole other series of questions I want to ask you about what you do with it. Yeah. But what do you, I mean, how, how much fat are you get? how much less fat or whatever are you getting on meat hogs versus lard hogs? Well, um, again, a lot of that's going to depend on the breed. So um, every pig is going to have a layer of fat, the back fat that's under the skin. Um, but Lard pigs are going to have like two, three, four inches, depending on how well they're fed. So, yeah. you know, it's it's one of those things that you can overfeed a meat, um, a meat hog, and it can be overly fatty, um, especially if you fed it that way since it was a piglet. And it's basically you just don't end up with a lot of meat cuts. Because the fat well, just took over. With, with yours, with yours, basically kind of free ranging a, a wooded area. Mm -hmm. um, 
that means those pigs are active. They're putting a lot oh, yeah. of work out there rooting around. So, I mean, you know, when you raise, raise hogs in like the factory farm kind of setting where they're on cement pads, concrete pads, you know, surrounded by fence, they don't get to do none of that stuff. So your method gives you probably a naturally slightly leaner hog than those raised, yeah. you know, yeah. in, in confinement. So. Yeah, they still have fat, um, like your pork chops and, and whatnot are still going to look nice with that fat cap on them, but um, it's not going to have like three, four inches, like those American guinea hogs that we processed. There was so much, I mean, there's still meat, but there was just so much fat that was on there and it was beautiful. I mean, it was like pure white, beautiful fat, but um, you know, that's because of that breed. So, so what are, what are some of your uses that you, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you render it cause you, I'm sure you still get yeah. a metric yeah. ton of fat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We try to use the, all the animal that we can. Um, and you know, whatever we can't use black soldier flies can, can kind of take over from there. But, um, the fat we render down, um, and there's typically two types of fat on hogs. You're going to have the back fat, which is the regular lard. Um, you know, you can make chicharrones and, you know, pork rinds and whatever else, right? All the yummy stuff. And then um, there's the leaf lard, which is on the inside cavity of the animal that's around the kidneys. And the, the two different types of fat um, have different uses. So the interior fat has no flavor, no odor, and it's typically a lot whiter or lighter in color. And the exterior fat, it has a, a, a porky kind of flavor to it. Um, so interior is like prized possession lard for all things baking and pastry. Like it, it makes a pie crust. It will make your scones just like out of this world. Um, and the exterior fat I render down and we use that for cooking. So that's, that's what I have by my stove over here. We render it down in pint sized jars and then um, I take out, you know, whatever I need from that jar and we do cast iron. So that's what I'm boiling my pans up with, greasing my pans. That's, with. that's like, that's the best thing in the world to season them with. And, yeah. and well, we got just a moment, guys, we're going to do a quick little promo here for mountain readiness. You guys know it's coming up later this month i wanted to say next month but it's coming up soon so a little break here for a mountain readiness promo and we'll be right back hey folks this is t and this is mountain readiness it doesn't matter what the event is that that makes this thing go pop it's uh, it's going to be water, shelter, fire, food, security. That's it. That's what you need in a nutshell. There it is. T, you still got tickets for sale, right? Still got tickets to get people yeah. in there? Yes. yes, we still got, man, we've got so much stuff going on. We've got tickets for sale. There's still camping available. We've got posters. We've got koozies. We've got T-shirts. We've got Sean Paul. She will be That's offering right. farm fresh uh, eggs. Take us through that, Sean Paul. What are you going to have? I know we had some yeah. chicken sauce that mm. we cooked up. Amber cooked up um, yesterday. That was phenomenal. Thank you. Yeah. So we have a couple of meal cooks. They're um, pre-assembled and, and ready to cook for your campsites. So we've got a breakfast special with eggs. Oh, that's cool. People are just go get it, make it right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. We have a, um, what is a um, half a spatchcock chicken and root roundup. Um, you can get that seasoned or, or plain. And then we also have a, a pastured chicken soup. And, and so that comes with our um, bone broth and chicken broth that we actually made from our birds as well. Nice. I want to take awesome. a quick minute and remind everybody the, the actual ebook pre-order is now up for Exploring Home. So the audiobook pre-order is up. Now the ebook pre-order is up. So you guys can get the order in those. The print ebook or the print book pre-order will be up soon. We're just fixing a couple little glitches there. 
but jump in line. You can get them ordered. They're ready to go. And don't forget, after this show, guys, join us for On the Rocks. So, Chantal, you going to hang out with us for a little bit longer? Yeah, that gets, absolutely. That could get a little squirrely over there, but, you know, we'll, you know, we'll see how it goes. It's not but, for the yeah, of heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, last week's guest was Jax Jenica, and she's so awesome. She was she was so much fun on the entire show. And, uh, and, and you're doing awesome, too. We're so glad to have you here. Because people that do this stuff is the ones we want to talk to, not people that theorize or watch YouTube videos about it. You're actually out living this life, which makes a big difference. So, yeah, we're, we're all dummies over on this. I mean, I am, I, um, there, there's a couple things in my life that really kicked me in the, in the knee. And, um, you know, first I thought I was, I knew something about fitness and then I realized I was just young. That was number one, you know, so when I got older, I was like, nah, I didn't, I, I didn't know anything. I'm, I actually didn't know zilch. And then I thought I was a good farmer. And then I realized it was Ohio, Indiana dirt. And when we got here to North Carolina with this acidic red clay, I realized that uh, I suck when it comes to gardening compared to what, what I thought my capabilities were. So it's a breath of fresh air when we have guests like Sean Tall on, like yourself, uh, who live this and have put up with the struggles uh, and the hardships and all the hard work and the mistakes that are made, all those learning, learning uh the parts of learning, uh, mistakes are huge. Um, and, and, uh, and on top of that, you've got, man, your, your whole, uh, you've got a master's degree. Is that what I saw? Master's degree. What is that in now? I mean, we've got to talk about it. We got a master's degree. She does marketing. I mean, you're all over the place in the, in, in the world. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> come on. So, come on. Uh, yeah. So, I'm getting a master's degree is not something that I really had ever envisioned myself doing, but it sort of just happened um, on my path. And um, it's in sustainable food systems, which uh -huh. I, yeah, it's from Green Mountain College in Poultney, Vermont. And um, gosh, I went on a three week sustainability tour of Vermont and it totally just changed my view on so many things. I wish more people had opportunity to do something like that. Um, and it kind of just shifted all of my agriculture, farming, you know, plant and soil science into really thinking about systems and cycles and how are things connected instead of looking at um, kind of like, like you're saying, like, why can't I grow this plant, you know, is, you know, and just kind of narrowing in instead of really looking at the whole full picture in a holistic way. So, um, so did you start out farming the, the normal way? I'll call it the normal way. I did. And then you, you, I'm ashamed you, to so say you start out with I'm perfect rows. And, <laughs> I mean, we've got to know the backstory. That's why we're yeah, here. So. Yeah. I know. Okay. So, um, you know, originally, um, <laughs> ironically enough, I was, I was supposed to go to the art institutes in Boston for graphic design. I have a certificate in that. And um, well, God just totally slammed that door shut. And he was like, no, I want you to go over here. <laughs> um, and when I got down to like how much it was going to cost for college, I was like, if I'm going to have to pay for this myself and work like three jobs to like make this happen, I want it to be something I really enjoy. And so I really just had um, really great memories growing up of, um, growing a garden and just kind of the amazement of seeing the, the planting this dead thing in the ground and it just coming out and being able to grow something that, that we could eat from that. And so I actually started at first I tech technical community college, plant and soil science. Um, but it was very much uh, traditional. So I learned I had a pesticide applicators license. Don't hate me. Oh um, no. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I know. Um, I, you know, learned greenhouse horticulture and, um, you know, how to apply chemicals and, um, IPM and, um, soil testing and all of those things that, you know, it's a, it's a different way of looking at things for sure. Um, and I like to tell people it's, it's, there's a dichotomy there, 
you know, you either look at the soil as a container or you look at the soil as an environment. And that really decides which, you know, which lane you're going to run down. Everybody but, needs to be um, looking at it as an environment because that's what yes. it is. So, yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and Tell us. so, well, we had this two plus two program with A&T, NCA and t in Greensboro. And that, that's where I got the Ag Education and Professional Services degree. So I went on that sustainability tour after that. And that's kind of when I made a clean break. And I was like, whoa, I need to be over here. <laughs> right, right. And that, that's awesome that you started out, you know, and everybody sees where you're at now. And, you know, and, and Amber and I are both the same. I mean, you got, you're amazing, the stuff that you do. Um, you're just a, a vast wealth of knowledge. Um, but knowing that you came from the same area, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's nice to see. It's nice to see and hear. Now, you also have the uh, IDS gardening, and and uh, that's also one of your businesses, correct? Yeah, well, I've, I've kind of shifting gears a little bit on that um, because I have found my new passion being the, the meat processing. Um, <laughs> because it's processing. The key word here, folks, is processing. Yeah, it's processing. Um, it's, I think, a little bit more interesting for me. Um, and it's a little bit more, um, I think, of a, of a business model. It's, they're different business models. And so um, they're just geared a little bit differently. Um, the IDF gardeners or gardening um, is basically um, doing consults. Um, I can come over to your house and I can help you, whether that's a formal garden, container gardening, or edible landscape. We, we do a lot of edible landscape because um, people aren't yet committed to tearing up their lawn or what have you, their space. But most people have a landscape that's already around their house that could be utilized in a more uh, beneficial way for them. So, so, so you do, you offer a bunch of services. Kind of, kind of rattle off that list of the things that you guys. I mean, because you're 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 processing animals, you're doing some mm -hmm. prepackaged stuff, you've got consulting. I mean, like, what all is it that encompasses what you guys are doing? And then tell them exactly how they can find you and reach okay. out if they need help. So let's get okay. make sure we get that in here. I want to make that's important. So. Yeah, gosh. Um, yeah, I do a lot of things. Um, that's my probably my ADHD coming out. Um, I, I <laughs> love learning things. I love being able to go out and do different things every day. Um, that's what keeps it interesting. And I really enjoy all of them. So yeah, we do farm consults I've done, um, land management for people, land planning, like holistic kind of farming applications. Um, we do the gardening consults. Um, we've done some, we've started doing some animal and livestock consults, which has been really fun. Um, we do, um, well, my husband, you know, he has all the blacksmithing goodies and, uh, he wants to do, uh, he wants to start offering lessons, which I'm encouraging him to do. I think that would be really great. Um, we do classes. So we do a whole hog, um, farm to table butchering and processing class, which um, I think we're going to try to do one in the end of January. Um, cool. Let's see. I, I generally try to offer classes on things that as we go along in our farming, like um, castration is a big one that a lot of people are unfamiliar with. So um, I'm familiar with it. So yeah. <laughs> Emery's yeah. familiar too. Go ahead, Sue. Yeah. It's your chance to jump jokes. in. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice little segue not, for you. I'm not, not going to touch that one. Yeah, yeah. I no, figured I'm, you were going to kick him while he was down. I mean, that's why I was saying, here, here it well, goes. No, no, I, I got to no. give you credit, Chantel. If, if you're going out and helping helping uh, cut hogs, that's not something I can stand to do. Just the screaming, the sheer screaming yeah. involved with trying to cut pigs. I just can't take it. it it we, is. we we used to do it every year when I was a kid. We did, you know the FFA class would go out there and everything. And then uh, I think it was my sophomore year, we got four females in the class, four four girls in the class, and they were all cheerleaders. But they actually enjoyed it, and the rest of us were like scared to death of those cheerleaders. Don't for the rest say. Of high don't say right yeah I, i've worked mm. i've worked with some women like banding calves before 
and they're way too into it. Like they're, they're yeah, they they enjoy that. They always wanted us just wrestling the calf to the ground and holding it down, and, and they're back there with that banding tool, you know. <laughs> All right, so Chantal, here's here's your new business idea. You ready? When it comes that time of year to do that, you offer a paid service of a first date castration of, of pigs, right? And then these couples show up on their first date, and then you let the female do the work and you let the male go, that bitch is crazy. No, he gets to hold the pig down because they don't yeah, cooperate. Gotta, yeah, yeah, you gotta hold the pig hold down. The pig. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so typically I do have um, my husband or another volunteer for the day. Um, you know, we do the method where we put them backwards and sit on the yeah. pigs and hold the legs. And yeah. then I'm the one that usually does the actual castration. Um, so, and, and you guys, I saw too, you're using volunteers and interns. Are, do you run like paid classes at your farm where people come in and actually pay you to learn these things and participate? Yeah. Because uh, do you know who Jack Spierko is? You ever listen to the Survival Podcast? Jack's a brilliant guy. He's he's big time in permaculture, which is why I was thinking okay. you might have heard his name. Uh, but his his fans and, and stuff, they pay him to come to his house and plant his fruit orchards and dig his hugel mounds and do all this yeah, stuff. So and I'm like, that's brilliant, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's a few things that um, that kind of end up being that way. Chicken processing is one of them. Um, we do offer chicken processing classes. Um, and I've been dabbling with the idea of doing a um, rooster class because a lot of times, you know, we have new people that are, they're buying straight run chicks from wherever and oh they end up with 40, 50% roosters. They're like, what do I do with these? And so freezer camp. Freezer they go to freezer day, camp. That's where they go. It's yeah, where we can. Yeah, we could teach them how to process those and make them into, you know, supers or whatever. Shoot, yeah, absolutely. Now we we had the we had the the folks watching star up some questions for you, and I want to get to some of these before we round out the clock. And some, some of them are serious, and some of them are well. It's YouTube, but uh, but Christy, she wants to know who's grilling up Chantal's birds that fall out. <laughs> she wants to know if you're gonna be cooking. <laughs> oh well, um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we just had that conversation today as well. Yeah, maybe T, we Christopher need... would put him on his porch. <laughs> T, no, we need to hook. We need to hook Chantal and and Shane up, and then two need to get to collaborating on some dishes that could be cooked from the Farm and Forge Farm at Mountain Readiness via right the cook. Well, the, that's the, the part, well. Well, Amber is a great cook, but you know, if, if I cook stuff, I'll burn toast. You know, I can't make toast, I can't make eggs, I can't make anything. So, you know, these this awesome food that Chantal is going to be be uh, offering everybody at the fallout, I, I would I would have to rely on Shane. I'd be like, hey man, I got this raw bird here. Need you to hook me up because I, I can do nothing with that. So you and you and Russ are supposed to be cooking briskets. So I guess that means Russ is cooking briskets. Yes. Yes. Actually, I talked Shane into it. I'm taking the smoker to Fallout. And that's your, that's your contribution. Awesome. Yeah. yeah I'm going to take my, my, my smoker there. And, uh, and, I, and Shane idea, was like, well, what can I do to help you, bro? I was like, you could do all of it. And he was like, okay. There's another business idea. We have a, we have like a four tier smoker that we could just like, Show up with there. it. That's right. Barbecue. Oh, there you go. You <laughs> will have customers, Chantal. You will have customers. Oh, yeah. This, this was for Sue. Sue, uh, <laughs> James Carroll wants to know, does Andy really eat pork? <laughs> oh, yeah. He eats pork. I, that man will, I'm telling you, he will run me over for a BLT. I, that guy <laughs> loves bacon. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> And I'm back to bacon. I I, I've told I've told our entire audience he's the worst Jew I've ever known. He's always broke. He's always eating all the pork. <laughs> yeah, he's famous, but who is a hundred percent correct? hundred percent correct. So Christy here says fence training. That's something I never thought of. I think people with absolutely no experience, like me, think you can just uh, get some in a get some and pen them. Would make a funny story in a post-apocalyptic book. Yeah, the idea because I've helped my a good, very good friend of mine. We had to fence train some goats, and they were 
Stubborn's not the word. It took extreme measures of training these goats on a hot wire, um, like extreme, to get them to understand like, the hell away from that Violence. Wire. Sounds like violence goats, to me. Yeah, but Just goats, goats are assholes, right? They, prolonged they to contact. They needed violence. prolonged and <laughs> contact on that hot wire for them to really understand it. Um, but, yeah, most yeah, people I, I've been – I've been talked out of getting pig. I was going to get some piglets, uh, you know, next month. Bro, I'll tell you what. I don't know. I've, I was, I was going to ask. Uh, you know, I'm thinking hog hunt. When they escape, we'll, we'll just go hunting. They'll all, they'll all go. Hey, I'm in. Yeah, when you have a, when yeah. you have a jailbreak, call me. I'll come <laughs> in and help. Like the, the, the five that I, that I had that day. Um, when I, when they all got out, I was just, I, I was staying in shock. I really thought that there was no way that they could possibly get out of there. And I pulled a pistol, shot three of them before I realized what I was doing. And I, I was like, that's a lot of dead hogs on the ground. Holstered my gun, started processing pigs. So I processed those three, found another one, shot it, brought it over there, processed it out real quick. And the last one was a little sow. She's only about like that big. And uh, as I'm walking towards her, she just laid down. And I'm like, if you think I care, like looked up at me and everything. I was like, nope. All you have to do is stay in that fence. No mercy. All, none. No, brutal. Zero. Brutal. Brutal. Sent everyone up to freezer camp. They had a great time. They were delicious. So part part really of the thing, it. though, that people need to understand is, and and it, it seems very basic, but I know that some people don't get it, is they have to be happy in there, too, right? It's not just a forced yes. existence yes. inside of a wire. If yeah. they have what they want and they have enough room to play around and you know not be miserable, then you're taking away a lot of their reason for wanting to be on the other side of the fence or curiosity. Well, and like Sean yeah, said earlier, they're extremely intelligent too. So you've got to engage that part of their head. You know, yeah. you, you got to give them something to think about other than getting the hell out because that's all they'll yeah. think or about. Or food. <laughs> yeah. Food's that's a why, good one. That's why right. running through the forest is, it's it's really great because the soil and the trees and the vegetation and the rocks and everything that's in there, that those are things that they'll naturally engage with on their own. Yeah, we have a, so we have a prop that like, Good, you treat them like most Americans. Then you just keep them, keep them entertained and fed, and then they stay where they're supposed to be. And they, they stay inside yeah, their fence. They stay inside their fence. Stay in their little cage and do what they're told, even yeah, though them, they don't have to. Give them an Xbox and a cell phone. They'll stay there all day. Yeah, we've got a we've got a pot-bellied pig that lives in a pasture with two cows next door, and he used to be he used to live up here with all those feeder pigs I was growing with. They didn't get along and. He decided he wasn't gonna live in the barn no more one day, and he ran off. And I was just like, hey, "Good luck, bro. There's hot. There's bears out here. Probably never gonna see him again." But a couple of days later, he showed up in the pen or the the pasture with the cows, and he can come and go out of there as he pleases. But he stays over there. Mm -hmm. But there's also a big thick stand of oak trees over there, and stuff. So when the mass drops, he's got plenty to eat, and he's gained weight since he moved in with those two <laughs> him cows. Uh, let me see. Matt Yard here asks, I have 20 chickens and they are not laying eggs anymore unless they're eating them. But what the hell happened? I was getting 15 eggs a day. Now, none. Yeah. So there's Change a couple of different seasons. things. Yeah. I wonder where yeah, it's getting um, that feed from. Yeah. So <laughs> it could be feed. It could be a nutritional deficiency. Could be. Of course. Um, that's what we'll call it. A nutritional deficiency. Um, <laughs> And, you know, it could be calcium or an inferior protein source or whatever, um, moldy feed or something like that. Um, but also chickens molt um, mm -hmm. one or two times a year. So if the chickens are losing feathers, then they're molting and they're just putting that protein into building the feathers, the new feathers back. And so it's a trade off. You're going to get a little bit less egg production once their feathers are all new and have come in you'll see the egg production come back up and then there's a seasonal deficiency and that's just due to the hours of um, light that they get. Yep. So the less light, the less eggs. So you tend to get less eggs in the winter. And then there's the whole battle between, um, you know, do you implement lighting or do you not? And, you yeah. know, I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Well, you, you know, you do you. <laughs> yeah. Supplement I've noticed, them with some fresh oyster shell would help. I know it's usually up up by Cherokee, uh, North Carolina, where I'm at. It's usually not that humid, but it was extremely humid this summer, and I noticed my egg production dropped because, you know, if I was a hen, I wouldn't want to be in that humid hen house all day long either. You know, so then yeah, I'll, you egg, know, 
Go extreme ahead, temperatures. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, if it's like a hundred yeah. degrees out, you know, that's, you don't yeah, like that. And I don't like that either. Get and, the window AC hooked up in the coop, man. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. You yeah. ought to just put a nice AC unit in your coop. <laughs> yep. well, there's, for you. I was thinking that Chris talks about one in one of his books. I was thinking about just getting some water bottles and putting it in there and facing that. You know, my, my hen house is movable. So I just face it towards the wind and, Get there a little bit of breeze in there and cool it. Get down a swap cooler going. Yeah. yeah. I come yeah, home the other day. Amber has bought um she has it's chicken uh picnic tables. So the little feeders in the center of the table. So it looks like they're all sitting at the picnic table while they eat. <laughs> that's what that's what we got. We got we got picnic tables now. You know, as cute as that is, Sue has you beat because Sue's chickens lay ceramic eggs. Ceramic eggs, <laughs> full of jelly beans. No, no, straight up ceramic eggs. They're they're really cool. Okay. They're, oh, uh, I think Tractor Supply sells some. I put some in there, and uh, and my wife gathered them up and gave them away by accident. And, oh, it gave them away. <laughs> yeah, the neighbor came back and said, uh, "These eggs aren't done yet. They won't crack." <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! That's hilarious. that's what happens when Extra you get a farm sitter oil. too. Yeah, farm center. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you go collect all your ceramic eggs. That's, uh, I should have told you that. That wasn't fair to her, but you know, anything to mess with the Marine Corps, I just mess with the Marines. Uh, this was <laughs> this was. Let me fill in the gap. I was, too, I was hoping you'd actually tell the story, but they, when they got the oh, check, oh no, here we go, here we go. Robbie was just so excited about like, when are we getting eggs? Oh, and she's checking the eggs, and she's you know, Robbie's really cute with the cows too, and she just loves on them and. So she goes out there and checks and checks and checks and checks. And finally, Mr. Brain Nugget over here goes out and gets some ceramic eggs and puts them in there and goes, check this out, check this out. Maybe trick Bobby. <laughs> so Robbie goes out and collects them and she comes back to the lab. They laid eggs. They laid eggs. But they're really hard. They're really and they're heavy. They're so heavy. <laughs> Double yokers. Yes, too funny. So, so Chantal, Chris Mullen here asks, any thoughts on a hog processing class? Now, I, I saw pictures of you guys doing one of those, so I know you do that. But I think he's mm -hmm. asking if you schedule those and, and how yeah. he can get in on one. Yeah. yeah. So that's my amazing husband uh, in the comment section. <laughs> where where um, is your husband, by the way? Where, where is he, Chantal? He's tucked in the bedroom at the house. <laughs> right. Did you say tucked or locked? Yeah, tucked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Him, the kids, they're all tucked, locked. They're uh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's all the same, really. Um, they're not bothering me. Let's put it that it way. Puts That's the right. lotion on its skin. <laughs> <laughs> it's just gonna go there. That's so funny. Hello, Clarice. So, are you are you considering doing more uh, hog processing classes? Yeah, yeah. We're working with um, Adam Steele, which um, he's awesome. He has his own specialty shop in Florida and we fly him up and he is like the guru of specialty cuts. Um, he does all kinds of wild game. He does um, all kinds of like sausages and curing and he just he's so good with that stuff. And he comes up and he basically feeds us for the whole like third day of our processing nice. class nice um but yeah so we're we're looking to schedule that for mid to end of january um and that'll be here in north carolina um we usually have between 10 and 20 spots that we hold open depending on the space that we set it in um, and then we offer add-on um, butcher workshop stations. So you can have your own set of knives and your own table and your own half of a hog. And you can literally learn and do the actual cutting alongside of us and alongside of Adam. Um, and, and really, like, that's the best way to learn is to actually do it. Like, you can go and you can watch videos and you can go and you can go to somebody else's hog processing. And they're most likely not going to let you actually do any of the processing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, skinning a pig is difficult the first time if you've never done it. And so, you know... It, well, to do it to do it correctly. Oh no, you're right. If you've never done it, it's if you've it's never done it. There's yes. a little, you know. There's a little, you know. Like I said, I did. I did five in six hours one day by myself. So, 
<laughs> well, we're talking about for, you know, this is the, this is a hands-on educational class, which is what yeah. I try to do for all of my stuff. I, I, I really feel it's important to let people experience that because that is really what gets your brain um, focusing on that. And that's, that's how you learn. So. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. Anytime you, you you're with someone who's butchering an animal for the first time, first, it's it's generally what they say is there's not nearly as much blood as I thought there'd be. Well, no, there's there's really not when this is done properly, right? Um, you know, and they get that intimate connection to where their food comes from. You know, yeah. they they yeah. fully well, and that's it. that's awesome. You guys are offering it as a couple too, because my uh, yeah, my yeah. wife. She's named every animal I bought, so there probably won't be bringing my own home because they're, unless they're just there to watch, you know. Yeah, it was hard the first time though. <laughs> it's there to watch. <laughs> Bring your pigs to watch the watch a pig butchering. Yeah, she makes a, she makes a pet out of everything. So I I don't know. Oh, that's too funny. All right, we got one more there. Chantel said, "Christy says, someone tell me what IDS gardening stands for." Sure. I was going to ask that same question. Yes. Yeah. So um, IDS, it start it it stands for in due season. So ah. um, Bible reference um, in due season. You know, Plan, yep. steadfast. You will Planning reap what seasons. Yeah. yeah. You reap what you. What and you I have to be honest. When you first said that, I thought you said IBS gardening, and I was just I was <laughs> letting that run wild in my head <laughs> as, as possibilities for IBS gardening. Like, I'm like, is this very appetizing? Is this fertilizing we're talking about? Is this what it's, is this? You know, it's that holistic gardening application. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, goes into something else. Well, like I said, when I thought it, I thought it was IBS gardening, IBS, which is a whole different thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Chantel, <laughs> let folks know what you got coming up soon. Where can they find you? Where do you want them to find you? And if they can order some of the amazing looking stuff you guys are producing, how they can do that. Yeah, sure. So, um, I do have some social media. We're on um, Facebook and TikTok the most. Very little social media. You have I a know. YouTube channel that's a big. I know. Well, Listen, listen, we're having a hard time <laughs> listen, deciding. Listen, Linda. Don't be too hard on me. <laughs> oh, no. Listen, Karen, hey. okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> we, um, we're going to start to do some videos, but I want to be really intentional about the the type of videos that we put on YouTube. So if you could help us, um, we need to, obviously the first goal is put a video on there, but um, then we're going to be having a push to get to that thousand so that we can kind of open up some of the possibilities for mm -hmm. really utilizing that and monetizing that. Yep. Um, we will be kind of having a, a, a mashup of blacksmithing and funny farm humor and education, of course, on there, um, which you can kind of see some of my stuff on TikTok. I'm a big nerd. I don't take myself super serious. Um, so, you know, don't expect super serious content from me. That's my um, favorite kind. Anybody <laughs> can laugh at themselves. I, that's, I'm all about that because I'm always laughing at myself. Yeah, um, you can follow me on um, Facebook. I have my personal uh, content creator page under Chantal Mullen. And of course, you know, for everything uh, business related, the Farm and Forge. Um, and we do have an Instagram, but I'll be honest for you, it's not my favorite thing. Instagram I'm going to try to get better at it. I'm going to try to get it automated. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So we do have a website, which is a square, a square website at this point. Um, we have some things for sale on there. If you want to support us, um, we'll be putting our heirloom seeds on there. Some of Christopher's iron work will be on there if it's not already on there. And then of course, um, our classes we put on there. So any educational classes or experiences that we offer. And then, yeah, for mountain readiness, um, you can do those pre-orders. Um, they are a pre-assembled, ready-to-cook kit. Um, but we'll also have some stuff at our vendor uh, table as well for day of. Yeah, I've got a, uh, I've got a project I want to talk to Chris about at mountain readiness. This is something that I've been trying to have built for a number of years, and I can't seem to get the right blacksmith that understands what I want to build it for me. And 
this would be a fabulous idea. He would be able to sell this. He'd be able to sell so many of these to the bushcraft community. I promise you. Um, so anyway, I want to say thanks to everybody being here. Chantal in particular, thanks for being on the show. Um, don't thanks forget for guys. Me. Oh, always, you know, and as you guys get moving, we'll, we'll do this some more, you know, we'll definitely, we're going to see you in a couple weeks anyway, up in harmony. Um, all the links for Chantal are in the show notes down there. Uh, for you guys listening, remember, we release these recorded live every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Um, we do a Patreon only on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. and a Facebook at 8 p.m. every other week. So we have one tomorrow. Next week, we won't. Just a new drill on how we're doing those things. We're just doing too much. But patrons, you guys can jump over to Rumble. We'll be over there in just a minute. You guys know the drill. Be good. Be good at it. We'll catch you next time. If you think solar panels are going to save this country, the government's blown sunshine up your butt. Haven't had enough yet? Stick around for the after show. Bolder, grittier, angrier. On the Rocks with Angry American and the gang is coming up next.